Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 265th episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. We're powered by Epic.net and those sexy legends over at Audio Technica. Check them out and get some gear immediately. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8bit. And joining me today, the energy sword to my gravity hammer, my podcast writer, Die. You can find her on them socials at Miss Ellie Hart. Miss Ellie Hart, how the bloody hell are you going? I am absolutely stuffed. I'm recovering <laughs> from a massive food coma. We had uh, Thanksgiving uh, this week, and um, they don't lie when they say that the the season or the holiday is just for overeating because that Ooh, is what yeah. happens in abundance. Can't complain. I'm very but. envious. I've I've experienced a couple of Thanksgivings during my times and stints abroad, and it is a hell of a time. Yeah, you overeat. Like, mm. there's no one's business. Uh, it goes hand in hand with a bit of uh, American football. They've got the three games on for Thanksgiving as, as is tradition. And you just eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, what was uh, what's your favorite thing you consumed on Thanksgiving? Was there a particular dish that... Uh, mashed potatoes. Know, mashed, and uh, I know, I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brendan doesn't like that. Ben, you know. Um... Yeah, but uh, mashed potatoes. I it's literally the thing that I will go up for seconds and thirds for. Like I will scope it out and make sure that I'm not eating it all and go for the go for the you know, like I said, third round if I could. Hmm. I guess they must be really good, like really well made taties that you're having if you're going for thirds. Like, or is this just irrespective of who's crafted these mashies? You've just got such a high expectation of excitement. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be really bad to stuff up mashed potatoes um it's like milk butter maybe a little cream um and yeah just and garlic oh and then just yeah mash it up just yeah you'd have to be pretty bad to screw up mashed potatoes so i think you're less likely for disappointment yeah it seems to be a, it's got a big safety net attached when making mashies from, from what I've heard and seen. But uh, yeah, if, if we're over to Thanksgiving together, you don't have to worry about me taking your mashed potatoes. You can have my serving and everyone else's for all I care because uh, <laughs> it's not good. Give me, give me some turkey, give me some gravy, some cranberry sauce, give me some stuffing, give me some mm. roast potatoes if someone's you know giving us some potato options instead of just the mash. <laughs> give me some pie. Mm-mm-mm. Did you? Oh, did you have lots of pie? No, Ali hates pumpkin. <gasps> yeah, that makes so. me sad because pumpkin pie is so good. No, no, I stay far away from it. I made a cheesecake though, so I make that's, up. That's that's fair trade off. Yeah, I make up for not eating pumpkin pie. Just a traditional sort of like um, standard cheesecake, or did you flavor it a certain way? Yeah, or? no, ch- uh, chocolate coffee cheesecake. Ooh. Yeah. Hello. Hello, chocolate coffee. I don't think I've ever had a chocolate coffee cheesecake. That sounds very intriguing oh, well. to me. Oh, I'll, I'll put it on the have to make for Brendan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it'll uh, travel too well across continents, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how we go. 
Um, something that uh, also didn't travel too well, uh, which has just recently landed in the cinemas here in the AU after circulating in America for the previous couple of weeks, was uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, the sequel to the original Venom movie from a couple of years ago, starring Tom Hardy mm-hmm. as my one of my favourite comic characters, Venom. Yeah, the symbiote anti-hero slash villain slash hero, depending on the, the offshoot and the the story arc that you you maybe have read or watched in a in a cartoon. But sadly, Miss Hart, the first movie, it was what it was. You know, it was not the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did a lot of things badly, and somehow the sequel is even worse and does a lot more <laughs> things badly, and. It's one of the worst movies I think I've seen in years. Like, it broke my heart, but it also got to the point where I was just laughing at times at how bad the script was and the storylines they were trying to weave in here. And, oh, my God, it was tough sledding. Like, remember in the first one when uh, Venom's like, you know, back on, back on my home planet, I'm kind of a loser. Like, you know how they sort of lent into that? I didn't watch the first one. God, you, sh- you are very lucky for not watching the first one. But in the second yeah, right. one, yeah. they <laughs> lean into like romance, like teen dramery stuff and things like that and almost try to make like Eddie Brock and Venom like this buddy cop duo type of thing. And it just sucks. It <laughs> sucks. And to see actors of tom hardy and woody, woody harrelson's caliber even like michelle williams like she's she's a good actress and she's yeah. in a lot of powerful roles to see them do whatever they can to get any form of blood out of this not even a stone like this turd like they're trying to wring this turd and get any type of quality out of it it's not a good time like andy circus directed this obviously mr mocap superstar mr Gollum, lord of the rings most notably uh, he directed this, and and uh, I had to look. I'm like, is this the first movie he's ever done? He's done a few others. I've never watched any of them, but I hope he doesn't direct too many more movies because this movie sucked from right from the opening credits right through to the end. The only good thing is like the end credit stinger. That is the only good thing from this movie, in my opinion. The way they handled oh. Carnage was woeful. The way they handled the whole Venom, um, Eddie Brock symbiote thing just it was just shit it was so bad it was like a superhero movie from the 90s but worse (laughs) but no redeeming quality about it um i have seen some like like some little snippets from the second venom and um it's mostly like showing like the cgi and it's terrible yeah it is like really really bad like like doing cgi is difficult and it's really really hard but um like if you're going to push for it you gotta like you gotta do it right and especially like with the technology and the caliber of like high quality cgi that's out there like we have people making incredible cgi in their like homes like you know in their studies and they're knocking it out of the park so you know you're already like held to such a high standard and from what i saw from what i saw in like some of these scenes it's just bad it looks like really really bad did they not have enough money (laughs) i think that like the budget was like um like like 100 million plus like for the budget so they had a sizable chunk of money to make this movie but i don't know where they wasted all the money i don't know like 
it's just not good. Like Venom, Venom's a movie and a character that they need to probably go more down the Dark. the Deadpool route. Not as in like the the fourth wall comedy stylings, but more so just more adult. Like mm. you know, he eats people, he rips people in apart, and things like that. So like lean into that. Like instead of okay, now he's gonna bite someone's head off, and then they just show like the shadow on the wall of it happening and stuff. It's just these cheap little outs that they try and do to to make it edgy without. You know, jumping over an M rating here in Australia or a PG thirteen rating in America, but like sh- <laughs> it's just be aiming for like a family kind of movie when it comes to that. But and it's written like it's it's meant to be like that. Like some of the writing is just so bad. It's so bad. The plot sucks. There's just no character <laughs> <is> development <laughs> for anybody, and it just sucks. Oh. It's. Oh. The best thing about the movie is there's a pair of pet chickens called Sonny and Cher, and like that was probably that the was, best thing about that it. That was the best thing. All right. Yeah, now real chickens. They weren't CGI'd, so they looked oh, they real. Yeah. So they looked as they should. But yeah, it's it's not a good time. I would not uh, not recommend going and, and you know dropping some money to watch this in gold class because the best thing about that experience would be the chairs because the movie sucks. It's just get a, get not a good, good. two hour nap. Yeah, like this is. That, um, God, what was it called? That one I watched a few months ago with Nicolas Cage, where it's like memories of the ghost town or, you know, something of Ghostland, where he goes. Oh, yeah. It's like Mad Max meets Samurai Showdown meets Acid Trip. This movie is on that tier for me. Like, it is bad, 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 bad. Like, it's a one and a half to two star out of fiver. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Not a good not, time. You're not too surprised, though, are you? Like, I thought it could be, like, marginally better than the first, but for it to be worse, that's the thing that took me by surprise. I thought, you know enough. what, Andy Circus, he's pretty embedded with playing these sort of monstery horror type of characters and he knows how to make it work on screen and he seems like he's got a good eye for this stuff. Clearly not. Clearly not. I, d- I don't know. Maybe he had some mm. symbiote in his eye the whole time he was directing these people on stage because it was... Pfft, not a good time. Not a good time. That's Something that was a good time, though, Miss Hart. Rolled credits on Arcane. So finished that oh, nine-episode yeah. first season. Uh, we've already had the confirmation this week that season two is in development. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not going to be coming next year. Maybe 2023, apparently. But uh, that first season, from what I saw on the social, I think it took them six to seven years to... Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it took them a long time. A long time. I don't know if it was just maybe they had a smaller smaller crew, so it took them longer to do it because they maybe, weren't sure of the success it could have. Maybe that's inclusive of like all the like kind of rollout of how they'll, they'll approach it, what characters they'd use, yeah. what kind of storyline. But still, that's a lot. That's a lot for animation. Yeah, but um, won't, won't go too heavy on it. Going to have a spoiler cast coming out sometime this week with myself, Nato, and maybe another. We haven't confirmed the... Uh, the uh, podcast roster for that one. But uh, in short, I loved it. Uh, you said you still haven't finished it, right, Miss Hart? No, I th- I've started episode four. Oh, f- okay. sorry, finished episode four. Yep. Mm. Still enjoying it? Yeah, it's all right. Like, it's fine? Mm, yeah, it's fine. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. But something else that I'm excited to hear your impressions on when you watch it is Hawkeye has uh mm. like it feels like it was a stealth release on Disney Plus like it didn't get anywhere near the 
the media lead up on socials as far as it's coming soon like you know like wandavision and loki and stuff they were pumping that out in trailers and adverts everywhere but it felt like hawkeye i guess as as is clint barton he's you know he's very low-key doesn't like all the attention he just sticks to the shadows does his own thing so maybe maybe i guess that's uh on brand with the release of this but we got the first two episodes this week with yeah, Hawkeye's story and you know the whole Kate Bishop and how she weaves in to potentially be the next iteration of Hawkeye as they're you know transitioning a lot of the characters from the MCU out and bringing in their new counterparts. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I watched both episodes last night. Um, I like you know good assortment of actors, uh, some good combat, some good heart. I like that it sort of leans more into the the realisticness like you know no one's got superpowers here it's just a bunch of bunch of people that are highly skilled and highly trained the tone is good uh the cg work in this in some of the scenes is top notch unlike venom let there be carnage <laughs> but uh yeah it's got uh got uh, your boy matt fraction who uh wrote i think your favorite hawkeye story or comic yeah. you could well, say look, my favorite probably one of my favorite comics um yeah, I I really enjoyed uh, Matt Fraction, David Ayer, I don't know how to say his last name. It's A R J, but uh, I really really enjoyed it. It was like one of those ones where I always have this like thing where I'm like I buy my comics digitally, uh, and then if I truly love it, I will buy a physical like um, omnibus. So yes. and I did. I love being omnibus. Yeah, so I actually bought that one of this one because it was it was fantastic. It was so well written and kind of like I'm glad to hear like what you kind of said that uh, that's what I loved about Hawkeye, especially in how they presented it. And um, he he's just down to earth. He's just a guy that's super talented. And um, I'm very curious though um, because it's there's no way it's going to be the same story mm. um, because there's already a few like different like things in regards to the movies and in the comic um so i like i'm kind of like i have kind of nervous about watching it to be honest i'm kind of nervous where it's like it's like it's going to be a different story with like the comic paintbrush and i I don't know if i'm going to be able to handle that so i'm just really really nervous to watch this one yeah i'm I'm genuinely curious to know once you watch a few of these episodes or or the whole run or or however you're going to consume it Mm. if it's going to sort of check those boxes and and do do uh do justice for for matt fraction's initial iteration and run because yeah he's he's uh been been in the writer's room and been uh, advising and recommending them doing certain things with the character and, and how these episodes play out and he's got a, a co- co-producer credit on it too so oh, hopefully <laughs> he's pretty pretty uh firmly entrenched in shaping this and, and uh, executing the vision that uh he he wrote a few years back so fingers crossed because i'm hoping hoping it lands for you yeah, I hope it does too. Yeah, I, like I don't know. Like I'm, I'm kind of like I'm trying to stay away from um what people have been saying online because I'm scared that like people are gonna give away stuff without like knowing it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't want to say anything now because yeah, there's probably things with characters that have played out already that are probably big from that that comic run. So I'm like, mm, say nothing. But I enjoyed it. It's fun, easily accessible. Uh, the episodes they were both 40-ish minutes each and yeah it was just had a good pace good story and and the fact that it's more grounded and it's got a lot of heart in it uh you know clinton's family and and then how kate bishop weaves into it and her her sort of backstory and whatever it's it's nice it was just enjoyable yeah enjoyable. Um, 
just going to correct myself. Um, David's last name is A-J-A, not A-R-J. So, um, Asia. A- Asia. 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 Or maybe the J turns into a H, so then it might be A-H-A. A-H-A. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, and you know what? Regarding advertising, I feel like I actually did see quite a lot of like advertising for this one. So, I don't know if maybe... I'm getting a lot of good like social media points, like where I'm getting advertising for a lot of media or not. But yeah, I, I got trailers, I got like um, poster spots and stuff like that. So yeah, mm. I don't know. My, my I, I Google was... history is probably just too anime centric these days, so I'm just probably. getting a lot of a uh, lot of harem, high fantasy based anime pop ups these days. Sadly, yeah, all the superhero that. stuffs a few layers back. I got to go a bit deeper to see those adverts, but. Uh, yeah, it's good fun. Two episodes out and we've got uh, weekly drops now between now and, and then leading up to Chrissy for that that seasonal arc there. Uh, I've been playing a couple of games this week. One we've been playing together, but I'll quickly just jump into this other one. So yeah, I've been working my way through Jurassic World Evolution 2, oh. uh, done by Frontier Developments, who did the first Jurassic World Evolution game. I've been playing on the Xbox Series X, so uh, I know people already have gone, oh, no, you're playing a world builder sort of sim on a console, but the button mapping on the controller works fine, and I can just sit on the couch and play this on a big giant screen and watch dinosaurs attack each other and live their best lives as I build out these parks. Uh, Excuse me. Looks great. The... The world building in it is simple. You can make these parks however you like. There's so many different modes. There's like a sandbox mode where it's literally you pick a location. You can go to Isla Nublar. You can go somewhere in America and just build out your little park to your heart's content. But there's also a story mode that uh, you know follows on off the back of the recent three movies. So you've got to go through and, and obviously on, the, on the, the penultimate film that came out a couple of years ago, spoilers some of the dinosaurs are now just living among us, you know? That's that's the concept that's leading into the, the final movie. So you're tasked with, I guess, trying to grab the wayward trouble dinosaurs and then, like, rehome them and build, like, little smaller parks around America. So you're sort of traversing America, catching all these dinosaurs, put them into these parks, and then, you know, meeting a few, uh, you know, KPIs to, to sort of finish that level. So I finished the story mode, did all that, uh, and then I've been working through this other mode now which is called chaos theory and so mm-hmm. you can pick any one of the five movies and then each one of those five have certain requirements you need to do to build the park up to snuff or, or avert these disasters or raise certain types of dinosaurs and whatnot so i've been working through some of those there's it's a lot more in depth compared to the story mode funnily enough mm-hmm. but i had a situation last night where my park was booming it's popping along i got dinosaurs out the wazoo happy days built this massive fancy tram line that ran around my park and had stopped. Like, it was a whole thing. It was, uh, you know, a lot of lot of management, obviously, in these games, especially money. Uh, everything comes down to <laughs> dollars and cents and running parks like this is not cheap. But I had a situation where, like, I was flush with cash. Everyone was happy. I was working my way through this, uh, you know, requirement and request from the, the upper management. And then my poor foundation character my female t-rex which i had since the inception of this park she dies and you know because old age you know they have life cycles of dinosaurs and the second she dies i don't know what's happened if it was just a weird glitch in the game but my my uh, park went from you know making 
all this money, like profitable, 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 T-Rex dies, and then I'm just hemorrhaging money. Like I'm losing like 30 grand a second and there's nothing I can do to offset to try and like save this money. And then, so I end up in the, in the red and then like, it's, you know, game over sort of thing. And I'm like, fuck, one fucking dinosaur dies and my whole run's just turned to hell. And it's so heartbreaking because it doesn't give you a warning. Like obviously the, the higher caliber dinosaurs you've got in the game, the more money and the more people are going to come. But I had so many dinosaurs. I had so many cool exhibitions. I had one of those gyro things where you can jump in the big glass balls and like tour around through the through the fences and look at all the dinosaurs. It was popping off this thing. The poor old T-Rex. She was the linchpin of my park. She dies. And then my my experience just goes south and I fail. And I was so fucking pissed. Were the so crowds disappearing? Like, you know, like you have people walking around. Was the crowds disappearing? No, nah, like it was like it was still a preset amount of people. Like it thinned out a little bit. But because she died... It just happened so quick. It was like, um, like with the old age, it doesn't come up as a flag. Like obviously your dinosaurs can get sick or injured and things. And it comes up with a little notification. You send your medical team out to survey the situation, cure the dinos if you can. But she just passed peacefully in her sleep or whatever. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, T-Rex ain't there. Later losers. And um, yeah, the the money, like the, the sort of, all the momentum just fell out. And yeah, I the game like, 30 seconds it was pretty much i had all this money in the bank and the second you go into the red it's like you're done no do not pass go you can't take out a loan you live and die off your your positive cash flow and i went into the red into the negatives and it was like yep what would you like to do do you want to restart or do you want to roll a previous save and i'm like fuck you need loan options you can't have a world builder and not have loan options yeah there's none of that you can't borrow any money and Mm. it's such a juggle because it's like You've got to pay, uh, like, if you've got backup generators because obviously weather elements come in and keep the power. So you've got to have fuel in the generators. Obviously, you've got scientists on there. They all want a bloody salary. You've got everything else running. You've got shops that you're costing your money. You've got hotels. You've got all these things, and it's it's a tough juggle. And for one little thing to go south and for the whole thing to then just break on me was a bit disheartening because I was really loving it up until then, and juggling expectation and money and i'm like oh, okay i can't i can't sort of research this new dinosaur just yet. i need to save some cash so i'll do this instead and i was you know i was thinking a few steps ahead but then i'll uh yeah mama t-rex she just passes out and dies and my game and just no turns to hell anything about your yeah no one wants anything to do with your uh, park anymore yeah so i was very sad very upset so um after that i'm like well fuck it i'm done playing jurassic world evolution 2 for a little while now because this killed me so yeah. I'm going to go try and kill some other people and I jumped back into Halo Infinite late last night, Miss Hart, and it's a game that you've also been dabbling in a bit more this week. You still loving life with Halo Infinite? Yeah, I'm having a blast. I'm having so much fun. And then I finally got to, like, you know, play this Fiesta mode mm-hmm. and that was wild. That's just, like, a whole other experience. Like, um, like the, the, the only, like, negative is I'm still not seeing that progression um so well like i'm i still don't feel like i'm being rewarded for good games um but yeah for the most part i'm still just like having an absolute blast playing halo it's been so good it's it's very annoying the progression system like in a lot of the other competitive shooters 
you get scored based off the amount of points you score in the game where this is just strictly tied to did you do these challenges and if you didn't you might have got like 50 kills and two deaths or whatever but unless you did you know kill people 10 people with the sniper or do this or that you don't get the big xp pops and it's so annoying like mm-hmm. just incorporate both you can make both of those those you know scoring metrics work but they have been very open and honest and like they're working on that we've heard all the feedback it's going to take time to implement but there is changes are coming hopefully Mm -hmm. it's sooner rather than later because you want to feel rewarded when you do good things in a game or in life you know people 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 want a cookie when they when they do good things and halo infinite don't give you many cookies that's for sure but uh yeah that fiesta mode it's madness out there listeners like it's 4v4 where you die and they roll, they reset your your two weapons you're carrying, your primary and your secondary. And that could be, you could get a pistol and an energy sword, or you could get a rocket launcher and a BR, or you could get two snipers. Like you never know what you're going to be dealt after you die. Mm-hmm. And it leads to some very, very, very chaotic moments. <laughs> you can get two pistols. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't start me on that. Yeah, <laughs> I loaded into a game with two pistols. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. But it's it's tough, like especially because it's got a separate sort of free, you could say, progression battle pass, where you can only get this certain Yoroi armor set by playing mm. this Fiesta mode, and you've got to get to at least level five to unlock the core, and then from there you can get other pieces to add to it, or you can buy them from the store if you like. Uh, but I finally got to that level five last night on the on the uh, Fiesta uh, mode just so I could get that armor set. So I went to bed happy after I was a bit upset with my T-Rex passing away. I got the armor set, got the core. I'm like, cool. My Spartan is looking pretty gangster right now. I can go to sleep. So um, <laughs> it felt good. Played played a lot of matches this week, like rolled out with, with yourself and, and Pedro last weekend. Played a bit with like Buddy and Dane and Benny. Played with Jesse and Lauren from Story Mode Gaming a little bit. I've just been sort of just whoring myself out. I'm yeah. like, I'm Spartan for hire. Anyone needs someone that's kind of average at this game? Hit me up. So I've just been <laughs> rumbling here and there most nights this week, and it's been it's been fun. Yeah, like I've been mostly like doing like a mix of like running in with people, but I also um, feel like it's good to run in solo as well because I feel like it's a a real learning experience. Um, although I'm running into an issue and I don't know if that's a me issue or what, but I'm like last time I played and I turned it off in frustration, I had a high assist number. Like, I mean, high, like 20 assists and then like low kill numbers. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I'm like, I'm either starting it and not finishing or like I, I'm tapping people and then other people are killing them. I have no idea, but like, mm. It was like, maybe it was just a bad, like, you know, a bad day, but that that was kind of throwing me off and putting me in a bad mood, but yeah, that is the games. Mm. And and listeners still remember, it's in beta. It's free. It costs you no money. It's it's just been a bonus throwing off the back of the Xbox 20th anniversary celebration. So yeah. just, just try and, uh, you know, suppress your anger that it might not be exactly what you want it to be, but it's so fun. It's so nostalgic. <laughs> And tell the, cost you nothing. Tell the Halo Reddit that. <laughs> yeah, God, I, I just stay off there. And you don't even need Game Pass. I mean, um, Xbox Live to play. You can just play this game for free, completely, mm. which is awesome. So uh, get on it. Come rumble with us. Come uh, run around with the energy sword and get amongst the madness. Damn right. It's so good. 
But uh, something else that is also good, we're talking about Festivus and the 2021 Biddy Awards. Uh, voting lines are still open for both. Festivus is getting recorded this time next week. So you've got, uh, by the time you listen to this, you've got about five days to get your responses in for that one. And then uh, the following week is the 2021 Biddy. So you've got, uh, you know, 12 days to get in at time of listening. So uh, head over to 8bit.net forward slash win for the entry point for the biddies. And for Festivus, maybe just check our recent tweets. Uh, there's a direct link on there to a Google form that you can fill out for Festivus. Uh, submitting your entries into that puts you into the draw to win over $1,500 worth in our first place win. And then I uh, was also going to be giving away sort of a couple of runner-up prizes of like gaming headsets and things like that too. So you can win yourself an absolute bucket load of swag leading up to Christmas, games, merchandise, microphones, headphones, all that kind of stuff, all bundled into one big 8-bit care package. So it's, it's the perfect Christmas present. Who wouldn't want mm. that? And it's going to take you a couple of minutes to get your entries in. And uh, if you wanted to send them in, in audio form, we can bake those responses in to the podcast recording. So uh, just send us an MP3, WAV, whatever it is, uh, to hello at 8bit.net. If it is a WAV, it's obviously going to be a larger file. So just send us a download link. But uh, MP3, whatever whatever audio format you've got, send it our way, hello at 8bit.net, and we can chuck them in as well. But Miss Hart, what do you think? Do we get into some news? Let's talk some news. This week's news headlines. The first bit of news. Uh, it's a bit unlike a lot of the other gaming news we report uh, on, on the potty here, but developer Big Ant Studios has delayed Cricket 22 to swap out one of the game's cover stars following a sex scandal involving the athlete. Yes, Miss Hart, you heard that correct. <laughs> so the sports game developer was set to include Australian cricketer Tim Payne, who was the Australian cricket captain, but he's since yeah. stood down on the back of this. He was going to be the cover athlete of the cricketing title, but they've taken the decision to remove his image following the emergence of a sex scandal after the star was revealed to have sent lewd messages and a picture of his genitals to a former female colleague. Big Ant posted a statement to Twitter earlier this week confirming it was delaying the game from November 25 to December the 2nd, and it read... Unfortunately, factors beyond our control have meant that we need to update the game's cover art, other visuals, and team lists. End quote. Completely. So, uh, yeah, the former Australian cricket captain uh, sent photos of his junk to a former female colleague, Miss Hart. I've done a bit of sleuthing, and this has been, like, not the big ant-related stuff, but this story in general has been... uh, pretty regularly uh, spoken about in the Australian news. And it's also been confirmed that Tim Payne's brother also sent lewd photos and messages to this same female colleague as well. What? And to make matters worse, Tim Payne, I don't know about the brother. He's the the lesser famous one of the two. But Tim Payne, he's been long married. You know, he's in a, for all intents and purposes, everyone thought it was a healthy relationship. But he's been... uh, sexting and sending photo of these bits around the place and uh yeah it's sent uh sent the cricket world into disrepute and also now it's had to have big ant delay cricket 2022 for a week to uh wow. change all the box art and potentially kick tim Payne out of the game for uh you know sending his cricket bat to uh people without uh, their consent yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I haven't heard a single bit of this. Like, sometimes I get some Australian news, but I guess this isn't, uh, this isn't one of those things. But, um, I mean, props to Cricket, um, to, to Big Ant with their cricket game, like, taking the time to kind of go, nah, let's, no, we, there's no, 
no rewards for those that behave badly. So just taking the time to kind of adjust stuff because that's that's money for them. That's time for them. Mm -hmm. That's like all that sort of stuff. But at least they're trying to do right by, yeah, like, you know, making sure that someone that's a bit of a creep. Um, yeah, it doesn't get any kind of like recognition amongst their peers. So, yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much so. It's, mm. it's funny too, because they've replaced Tim Payne with Pat Cummins, who's one of the Australian fast bowlers. And by mm. replacing him on the cover, they've sort of, have they directly tipped their hat that he's going to be the next Australian cricket captain, even though Cricket Australia hasn't confirmed that yet. So it's almost like, has Big Ant got the inside scoop now that Pat Cummins is going to be the new captain? And this is oh. sort of the... The uh, the you know the the spotlight highlighting that before it's official. So, so uh, they yeah. they haven't picked a captain yet. No, so so Tim Payne has stepped down on the back of this. Yeah, and they haven't officially announced who's going to be the next um yeah Australian Test cricket. Isn't it captain. cricket season right now? No. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we'll oh. see. We'll see. Steve Smith is the other rumored individual, but he obviously uh, was uh, banned from cricket a few years ago f- for a year for a ball tampering scandal. Not uh, not genitalia right. balls, but uh, <laughs> yeah, different type of tampering that he was in trouble for. But uh, yeah, interesting times, Amy's heart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking cricket. <laughs> Bloody cricket. All right, the next bit of news. Epic Games has announced that it has acquired rhythm game maker Harmonix, best known for titles like Rock Band and Dance Central. Epic announced that as it continues work on building the metaverse, it has enlisted Harmonix to, in quote, reimagine how music is experienced, created, and distributed. Harmonix will help develop musical journeys and gameplay for Fortnite, end quote, while also still working on Rock Band 4. So, damn, we are getting... We are getting some bleed over here as far as various types of media, video gaming and music. And obviously Fortnite have been pretty heavily uh, walking down that path now for the last several years. Mm. With many like, you know, first ever digital concerts and things like that. So it's kind of cool that they're seeing the success and the point of difference, you might say, with what they're doing here, blending their genres together. And now that they've got harmonics involved, it could... Uh, elevate it and take it to the next level yeah like um they've they've done quite a few like music experience now in Fortnite, and i never personally played the game or experienced any of these the first one was weezer wasn't it weezer dropped their album or something in Fortnite. they pretty w- was the first one was it travis scott no that one was definitely after weezer maybe maybe it was my like i, I sound like a very old man now with that I think you could be right. Like obviously, the first big crossover wasn't exactly a concert per se, but it was that time you know no, when Drake was, just... was playing with Ninja and all that, where we oh. saw like bleed over of of big figureheads from various various industries. But I think you could be right. Weezer did some stuff on there. Yeah, they're doing I've... a lot in gaming these days. Are Weezer? Yeah, well, you gotta gotta do what you can to kind of stay on the pulse. Um, but yeah, so they've had Weezer, as you mentioned, I'm sure Scott, um, there was Ariana Grande recently. I'm pretty certain Dead Mouse. Was it Dead Mouse? It was yeah, I know. Marshmallow did a concert on oh, there Oh, that too, was it. Remember? Marshmallow. It was Marshmallow. Yeah. Um, so one of the DJs that wears a mask. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm, I, I think I am missing one more, but like overall from what I've seen, um, in playback on YouTube of, um, people experiencing this, these events, like it seems pretty cool. It seems like a pretty cool thing. And, um, we are mm-hmm. also seeing now the, um, introduction of VR and live music, well, you know, VR experience with going to 
you know, VR concerts and VR like sets. So, um, I, I think this is a good way of like approaching it. I think, um, uh, in, in regards to accessibility, um, making sure that everyone has the opportunity to kind of experience music and, um, you know, kind of get that experience, like for some people that might not be able to even like leave their house. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for the inclusion of like music into like any media. And uh, this is just another wild, wacky one in Fortnite. Yeah, I, I think it's great. Like, yeah, Fortnite's not a game that you or I are passionate about, but it's awesome to see them, yeah, try and blend these genres together and, and yeah, make it more than just a, a, a battle royale game. You know, they're, they're always looking at different ways to diversify and, yeah, bring all these other universes together. And it's, it's cool. Yeah, I love the concept of VR tours in your lounge room you know, watching, watching your favorite artists perform where, yeah, maybe you do have social anxiety or you don't want to leave the house, you're a bit of a recluse, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, it's your life. You live it however you like, but yeah, for, for those types of decisions to then impede you going to watch favorite artists X, Y, but then you can do it at home in the comfort of your lounge room, bedroom, whatever. That's, that's great. I think it's awesome. And more of this, you know, more accessibility for anything I think is, is a good thing. Mm. Um, one quick question, related but unrelated, Miss Hart. What's your stance? You know how we're seeing a lot of these these concerts now where you go to a physical concert hall or a venue and they do like the, the digital version, you know, like they first did it with like Prince and stuff like that where you could go to no, a concert. Obviously, Tupac. Prince has passed away. Yeah, Tupac's done it as yeah. well. Gorillas. Would you pay money to go to one of those concerts or do you think that's a bit silly? I don't think – I like I'm not going to call it silly Um just because it's not for me, but I just don't think uh, the holographic experience. Oh, hang on. I'm just going to correct myself because I'm pretty certain that um, Split was it Splatoon? Did Splatoon do a concert or was it there was it was a Nintendo event and I'm pretty certain it was either Spl- Splatoon or maybe I'm thinking Animal Crossing. I can't remember, but there was like a musical event and they did the whole digital experience. And um, there's also Hatsumiku. She is already like a pop star kind of doing the same thing. So I don't know. Would I go? Maybe not, but I still enjoy, like I could watch for on YouTube or something like that. Yeah. It's a fine line. Like I get it for, for, for performers that are no longer with us, like a Tupac, like a Prince, things like that, where they physically can't be on stage because they're passed away. But like there's another thing that's getting pushed heavily here in Australia is uh you know ABBA have have really, uh, completely unrelated musicals genre. I'm gonna feel wow, like I'm yeah. 700 years old right now, but ABBA have just released like new music for the first time in like I don't know three decades or something, wow. and they're doing a tour to coincide with this. But what they're doing is one of these digital tours, so they're gonna be you know they've been doing all the mocap and the scans in, and then they're gonna be in air quotes touring around the world. But it's just people going to watch a pre-recorded virtual event, and I'm like, you know what, I know. ABBA band members are probably 900 years old right now, but you know what? Rolling Stones are still out there doing this kind of stuff. All these other old bands, if well, you can, why not? ABBA, from what I remember, I believe one of their, um, one of the singers, I think she like had, like there was something, something about her. I think she became a recluse or something. And there was obviously some inner band turmoil as well. So I think that might have something to do with it. Um, in the case of like people going out and seeing it, like, I don't know, like people, people sometimes go and see cover bands because they enjoy a band so much. So like, 
you know, like they might not be there like in like a full physical presence, but I mean, the the performance was recorded. So I don't know. Yeah, you're, st- you're still getting it. I-, I guess I'm being a little bit too, too harsh and grumpy because I-, I think it is, it's just a- an easy way for them to make money really. Like when they can tour the world, when they've just spent, now they've probably spent many, many hours in the studio recording this, this motion capture and stuff like, you know, the hard work went in, but then they can just go copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste all around the world to, to make millions. I'm like, you know what? Mm. But if people are going and they're happy and getting a good experience, then then what's what am I to poo-poo on it for, you know? Yeah, and, like, like I do agree that the live experience kind of has, has its own, like, vibe to it, like being, like being at a venue and maybe being amongst your peers and enjoying the music. Like, I think that has its own, like you know, element of enjoyment and worthwhile. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very curious thing for the future. It is a very curious thing for the future, but I guess at the very least everyone is going to be saying thank you for the music because uh, it is fantastic. Uh, the nice. next, uh, well the next little hit point here, Death Stranding developer Kojima Productions has officially opened a new division in Los Angeles that will be dedicated to movie, TV, and music. Mm-hmm. As reported by GamesIndustry.biz, the new studio will be led by former PlayStation Vice President of Business Affairs, Riley Russell, who will lead the California team as the developer looks to branch out into a wider range of media. No real surprise to hear, Miss Hart. Like, we've always said that Hideo does things very cinematic and he's, he's said on and off in interviews that his ambition is to sort of pivot into... Uh, traditional media like movies and tv and then you start to see the bleed through with like something like a death stranding where the soundtrack for that that game had a ton of artists and, and a few exclusive tracks so this is just the next logical step for kojima and his very eccentric way of thinking and creating things and i i'm not upset about it because his games start to become more and more like a movie anyway like the extended mm. cutscenes and the the story writing is of a caliber of a big blockbuster movie so it just makes sense to me yeah it makes sense to me and like i think this is a way for kojima to probably live out his dreams because one thing i'm big on i think if uh, a movie with a great soundtrack is like i think is key like i always respect a good movie soundtrack and one thing that i noticed kojima does is he's got really great taste in music especially for the 80s classics um so i think that he could actually like if he's involved like this is just it says kojima productions so he might just be overlooking stuff at this stage but um his name's on the sign (laughs) yeah that's it just slap the sticker on instant hit but yeah, it's like he he himself is a you know t- tells great stories and he you know with Metal Gear he made a fantastic uh, action movie series like this like the story in that um, is pretty pretty great pretty outlandish at times but still pretty great um, and then like Death Stranding it, it, it was an interesting story right like it was yeah it was it was very it was wild but yeah <laughs> like I I didn't buy into it as one of the greatest games ever made like some have like i sort of my mindset can sort of see through some of that hideo hysteria that yeah that folds fog. up a room yeah. a little bit more but um it was cool it was very interesting and obviously he took some took some chances with the the gameplay loop and the storytelling and obviously leveraging off hollywood and bringing in some hollywood heavy hitters to mocap these characters i just had a, a realization that if he's going to make movies 
one of the one to me one of his best games was PT, and that involved Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. And so he's now got a movie sector. Like maybe they'll make something. Oh, if they make something scary, that'd be so good. Uh, just like no- nothing wrong with uh, Redis, but don't <laughs> don't cast him in every movie he makes. Like cast Mads Mikkelsen, please, instead. Uh, or Raul Coley. I reckon he might get a bit of run because they've been bromancing oh, a bit on yeah, the socials. They have, they have, and he's not a bad actor. I like him. I like him. Um, well, and what I've seen him in. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put it by him. But like we said, like, this is still, like, Kojima Productions. It is not, it's not Kojima doing this. So, who knows? Who knows what it, it's going to, you know, yeah. break down and to. But it could be good. It Music? could be good. And we'll probably watch their first release in 2035, just knowing the development yeah. cycles yeah. with Kojima. It's, yeah. a, it's a very, very slow meticulous process but uh, i'm, I'm intrigued game, like though. that's true i'm i'm just <laughs> like thinking about if they fully lent into just that you know the horror give, give me some give real me, atmospheric yes. scary skin crawling stuff i'd love some of that if, if it's just like almost it becomes almost like higher budget a24 films where we're getting crazy horror crazy sci-fi thrillery stuff psychedelic stuff just give me all that because i reckon it's going to be a visual feast if kojima's yeah slapping that badge on these things as you know kojima productions approved it's going to be it's going to be a spectacle i think yeah exciting very exciting uh something else that's a bit exciting and i guess you could say a spectacle 25th anniversary pokemon obviously where we're referring to here uh they've just announced a new themed converse collection uh, the collection includes both apparel and sneakers based on the most popular monsters from the original games. The classic Converse Chuck Taylor All-Star sneakers have been styled with the first partners as written here by Eurogamer. Uh, so the first partners, Kanto starter Pokemon. So obviously we're seeing Bul- Bulbasaur, Charmander, Squirtle and Pikachu on a standard black and white Chuck Taylor. They look cute, but Miss Hutt, I've never been a fan of Chuck Taylors for me. They're just too narrow looking. For my feet and my body type, so I never wear them. But these starter ones, I haven't been able to find more photos of the overall collection. I've only just been able to see find this grab of the, the the baseline starters on this black and white chuck, and they're cute. I think they look like a cute pair of kicks. Do you? Do you, uh, to me, this looks really unimaginative in design. <laughs> yeah, like they've stuck like, with the, the archetype like- <laughs> of a chuck. But then they've just, yeah, screen printed no. on the four starters. Well, the thing is, right, is that, um, so these are just, is it just Converse? Just Chuck Taylor? Yeah, so. Yeah, it's just um, Converse. So, um, Vans constantly has col- collaborations. Um, and uh, we have, we have like Vans stores over here a little bit more regularly. So I see them a lot. And the collaborations that they do with designs are really great with Disney, with Peanuts, with like all different, like, you know, like pop culture items and they do like really you know unique great designs but like i said this shoe looks like they grabbed the pictures stuck it on the side and called it a day yeah it's like they forgot they're like shit we've got an investors meeting tomorrow we need to show these prototypes google (laughs) started pokemon grabbed a high-res image just got slapped it on that connie and went there we go 
<laughs> Boy, I hope that's a transparent background. Could be Nintendo. Yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> be sure to search for a PNG or put that transparent word in the search just to be safe. But it could be also, you know, Nintendo are pretty particular and protective of their IP. True. So maybe they True. wanted it to be, to represent this. And I like on this photo of the Chucks, the very top um, lace hole, it's, it's the Pokeball color. You see how oh, it's I really subtle. It's, it's the red and white uh, top lace hole, which is kind of cute. That's clever. That's clever. But, um... We'll see. It's gonna like they're gonna sell like no one's business. Oh yeah, yeah. People are buying it no matter what. Yeah, it's certainly a shoe that would look look cute on a shelf. Like I'd never wear them. I'd yeah. never wear Chucks anyway. But like it's it's a cute little nostalgia piece. And the fact is, on the back of the twenty fifth anniversary of Pokemon, if you can secure a pair of these and just keep them dead stock in a cupboard for a while, the price on these is probably just gonna go through the roof. <laughs> put a the put roof. a card in it. Collect this card. That's in it. it. Yeah. Put some cards in there. All right, so this brings us to the last bit of news for the potty. And I've titled this one, I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite TV show on Prime Video. Taking some words here from Eurogamer. Uh, Plans for a Mass Effect TV series on Amazon Prime are, in quotes, nearing a deal. The show would form part of Amazon's ongoing push into sci-fi and fantasy storytelling alongside its upcoming ambitious Lord of the Rings prequel series and recently launched The Wheel of Time. I will admit I've watched the first uh, four episodes of The Wheel of Time so far. It's good. I'm enjoying it. And they've already got a second sequel on the way. So uh, that's good times as well. Uh, Back to the article. Amazon's interest in a Mass Effect show was mentioned briefly as part of a deadline interview with Amazon Studios boss Jennifer Salke. There are no other details on the show itself, exactly what story it will tell, where it might be set, or which characters may appear, hmm. or crucially, if it will actually happen. Hmm. After all, excuse me, after all, this is far from the first time we've heard plans of a live action Mass Effect project. Excuse me, I'm very gassy right now. Long-term plans existed for a Mass Effect movie at Warner Brothers Legendary Pictures, with the focus at one point being a story featuring male Shepard. Earlier this year, Mass Effect veteran Mac Walters said those movie plans were always hampered by a film's runtime and that Bioware's focus had subsequently shifted to the idea of a TV series. It felt like we were always fighting the IP, Walters said. What story are we going to tell in 90 to 120 minutes? Are we going to do it justice? It was not a matter of if, but when. Hollywood returned to Mass Effect, Walters added, with TV the way to do it. And then there was this bizarre Henry Cavill tease back in February where the star of Netflix, The Witcher, held up a blurred plot synopsis of Mass Effect storylines. And then the caption he wrote underneath on his IG was secret project or just a handful of paper with words on it. Guess you'll have to wait and see, he teased. Was this all an early part of Amazon's planning? Hmm. The news has since seen former Bioware staff share their opinions. I'm not involved, but I'm looking forward to it, Drew Carpsation said on Twitter. Happy to consult if they want my input, winky face. Carpsation served as lead writer on both Mass Effect 1 and 2 and also wrote a trilogy of tie-in novels. He left Bioware in 2012, though returned for a stint to work on Star Wars, The Old Republic and Anthem. Then he left again. (laughs) Hmm, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring on this one, composer Sam Hulick wrote also on Twitter. Hulick composed music for the original Mass Effect trilogy as well as some of its DLC. We also saw former lead writer David Gator share his thoughts on the show on social media as well, where he said it was cringe, a whole heap of negativity. There's like a, a 12 uh, you know, tweet thread that he's put. And a lot of it's justified as far as his reasoning about why 
this couldn't work or couldn't be successful because the game heavily relies on player choice. Uh, you know, Commander Shepard is your vessel. You shape them as you want. Where if this mm. show is force feeding, this is Shepard. This is the decisions. You know, it's taking, I guess, some of the beauty away in this game. But uh, Miss Hart, I am not upset about this news. Of course Anyone not. that's listened to this podcast at least once or twice know that I am a Mass Effect tragic. And the fact that it's now getting looked at as a TV series. It makes so much more sense. Any game, I think, lends itself better to a TV series because, you know, you play these games and most of the time they're 6, 10, 20, 30, 40, you know, it's multiple hours worth of storytelling that you get unfolding in front of your eyes. And and as uh, they mentioned, like Mac Walters said, trying to cram 20, 30 hours into 90 to 120 minutes, it ain't going to fly. So if you no. can tell that, over you know six to ten hours or whatever in a season it's going to allow you to develop these characters and these storylines and, and you know set a good level of stakes and, and payoffs and emotional hooks and all that stuff but i'm keen miss Hart, and amazon's a great place for it they do science fiction really well uh they throw a lot of money behind big projects so hopefully if this does become a real thing it's done and handled with respect and time and care. And if they bring in some of these OG story writers to help oversee and, and co-produce or whatever, I'm down for that. And if Henry Cavill ends up playing Commander Shepard, I'm not too upset about that either, but we'll see. Miss Hart, what do you mm. think? Does this uh, get you excited in any way, shape or form? Not really. Um, but I also kind of see um, David Gator's like, perspective because that was probably my first thing I thought about I'm like how do you do a tv series on a game where the narrative was only purely decided by the player um I understand that Mass Effect has a universe attached to it and it has like a whole bunch of like different like groups and like different like aliens and all their kind of history and everything about them in the back but um they, I could see maybe that they would do this like a narrative where you are like you're not following Shepard, like maybe you're following all these other different people and um like little teasers maybe of mentioning this you know person in the background and maybe you'll hear them like do a voice like call or something like that. But yeah, I I, I just didn't see how that would work and like <laughs> this game I like could see being a tv series but i always think of those like really cheesy like like maybe c grade sci-fi tv series out there um like farscape like that sort of stuff yeah um yeah. so that's 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 what i'm imagining in my head so not necessarily great but yeah i think i'm more looking forward to the halo series than this yeah i'm i'm optimistic if, if this does get greenlit and fall onto Prime Video because The Expanse is one of my favourite science fiction shows, I think just about of all time now. It's it's just about all said and done and like we've got a final six season coming out soon. But it, the tone of that and the production quality and the acting, it's got a lot of synergies with Mass Effect already. So oh. I can sort of see the archetype they've got there that they could build off and then weave in all these other characters and alien races and storylines and plot points and so on and so forth to make it work. But yeah, it's just tough because, you know, this Shepard, if it does uh, meet the screen, they're going to be romancing whoever they want. It's not whoever I want them to romance, you know? Yeah. Like, what if what if I want to see Shepard have sex with Liara again and it doesn't happen? I mean, am I going to get sad about that? I want some 
some freaky, you know, blue alien sex time, but we might not get that. Maybe they're just going to follow Miranda Lawson around again, which I did also because she's stunning. But uh, you know what? It's That's going to be the hardest part to disconnect the sense of control that people have with these games, you know, framing relationships and are you more Paragon or Renegade or do you sit in the middle where this shepherd's going to be on rails and you just got to settle in and enjoy the ride, which which I'm keen for. If it's going to be The Expanse meets Mass Effect, I'm, I'm down. Take my money, Amazon Prime. <laughs> I guess time will tell. It's still not confirmed. Yeah, but it's interesting because there's so many things Little in that nuggets. room you're like the henry yeah. cavill thing was just so bizarre and so unexpected <laughs> remember when we reported that on this yeah on this potty earlier this year and we were like what's going on and now you know hollywood's starting to talk about it and writers and, and ex-studio heads are getting involved saying yeah this is the way it should go and it just makes sense and i guess because the success of uh wheel of time also it's maybe confirming that amazon just double down more on these big science fiction soap operas and and that's what mass effect is so uh sign me the hell up miss hart maybe sign me up for a little bit of this tweet of the week this tweet stays on the science fiction train uh comes by way of ign and uh the tweet reads ridley scott has confirmed that live action tv shows based on blade runner and alien are in the works with scripts currently being written now that's that's the end of the uh end of the tweet so the alien one we've known of and hypothesized about here and there uh, mm. on, on this this potty for many, many months. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 underway. The, I think the scripts have been finalized from from my digging around uh, on the alien show, which is going to be apparently set on Earth, which is going to be interesting. Um, curious mm. to see how that plays out. Uh, they're talking about the alien TV show to run anywhere between eight to ten hours, at least for the first season. If if it's going to be a seasonal show, which I'm not sad about. But Blade Runner, like I love that universe. I love Decker and I love all the characters and and even the the Denny Villanueva uh, sequel. I really enjoyed. But I'm curious to see which way they go with the show. Which way they're going to focus? Like, is it going to be focusing on the replicants? Is it going to be focusing on you know, the the police task force. Are we going to go completely off script and go like back in the day about when the first replicants started coming around? Like there's a lot of lore there that they could dig up and create a show out of, but it's interesting and I'm excited and the sci-fi geek in me is just peeking with all these great things coming to the screen. Yeah, I could actually see a Blade Runner TV series. I'd really like them to kind of still... Um follow down this like futuristic like detective noir with like cyberpunk elements and you know kind of you know deep diving on like corporation greed and undercover like i don't know like i can, I can see it i can totally see it the alien be series, so good alien series though not so certain and then it's set on earth yeah it's not yeah. even in space the second one certainly le- leans more into aliens on earth alien, alien versus predator 2 requiem you know we get a lot of a lot of battles in sleepy small town america uh, so, so i'm very curious to see how it translates uh ridley scott's involved on both of these which is great because obviously he was the the figurehead that that brought these franchises to life yeah decades ago now 
he is uh, very old. I think he's 83 these days or something. So he's mm. getting a bit long in the tooth, old Ridley Scott. And uh, we did get a, a bit of a social media moment this week where he was blaming millennials and social media for um, The Last Jewel struggling so much at the box office, which is a whole nother story. Haven't watched the movie yet. We talked about it before the potty. We were keen yeah. to give it a look, but just haven't got around to it. But yeah, yeah. it looked good. Old man yells at cloud. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a rough climate to be releasing movies in anyway. And if you're not like, you know, in the throats of uh, like all the social media campaigns and, you know, got the buzz talk, you, you're going to flounder. Like there's like been great movies that have kind of like been not as well received. And, you know, I guess, yeah, I guess he's just feeling the punch. And uh, I don't necessarily blame him too much. He's, he's allowed to be angry. Yeah, and he's he's done done many many fantastic things on the big and the small screen. So I'm I'm intrigued, but like the Alien show, Noah Hawley is attached as the showrunner and developing. So he's recently done Legion and Fargo. Oh, and um, I've just just dug up some some notes here. So it's it's not going to be a Ripley story. They've sort of oh, got yeah. that front and center I straight away. That, yeah, but um, the the story sort of said it's a story that's set on Earth. The Alien stories are always trapped. Trapped in a prison, trapped in a spaceship. I thought it would be interesting to open up a little so that the stakes of what happens if you can't contain it are more immediate. So, um, they're loose on Earth? Mm, yeah. So they haven't confirmed, like, is this going to be in the future? Is it going to be sort of present day? They haven't really confirmed the timeline this is going to follow, but mm. I'm curious to see where they go with it. And Noah Hawley, I loved what he did with Fargo and I loved Legion. It's, it's one of the best comic book screen adaptations. Um, anyone that hasn't watched it needs to peek it because it's so good. It's so mm. good. The, mm. the writing, acting, the tone, all that stuff. Yeah, eight to ten hours of Alien and Blade Runner coming to us in the near future. Yeah. Either way, it'd be good content, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to complain about more Alien or Blade Runner. But, uh, you know, if you don't want to wait for Alien and Blade Runner to hit the small screen. New releases and events. Here's some stuff coming at you in the next week. Obviously, we already alluded to uh, Festivus. That's going to be being recorded next weekend. So be sure to get those responses in for Festivus and the 2021 biddies. Obviously, 8bit.net forward slash win or just check our socials for the link for Festivus. As far as podcasts, uh, Video Game Book Club has had a new episode drop. It's coming out today as we record it. So it'll be out on the THG RSS feed. And that saw John O'Peck doing a bit of a walk down memory lane with Alan Wake. Oh, that's So obviously that had a definitive remaster pop out on platforms about a month ago now. So he's been playing that through. I've also got the Death's Door spoiler cast out this Wednesday. And I've also got an Arcane spoiler cast coming out later this week as well. So... Good, good chunk of spoiler cast there to uh, consume in podcast form. Movies and TV. Uh, we've got the the latest episode of Wheel of Time coming out. I've got uh, Hawkeye number three dropping. Outside of that, not a huge amount of movies that I could dig up that are coming out um, next or this coming week. As far as games, we've got Beyond a Steel Sky, Evil Genius 2 World Domination, Ooh. Fights in Tight Spaces, Solar Ash, Chorus, Danganronpa Decadence, and Danganronpa S Ultimate Summer Camp, both on Switch. And then obviously we've got the new expansion for Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker 
dropping this week. Uh, I'm excited to get back into a bit more Final Fantasy and uh, run around as my sexy samurai cat and kill all the people. So uh, plenty of things to do between now and next drinks here at the THG studio. I've got to look into Solar Ash. Yeah, it's getting a getting a good amount of love out there. Mm. Obviously, PlayStation and PC can get your hands on that in the next couple of days. So plenty to see and do. But Miss Hart, that brings us to the end. THG two sixty five. Anything else you want to talk about before we get on out of here? No, this is essentially our last uh, normal episode. So um, yeah, no no more news reporting or anything like that. We're on to the fun and wild stuff. So I'm looking looking forward to festivals. <laughs> it's always Me too. interesting. Me too. It's, it's going to be a hell of a time. So yeah, we're done with news for the year. But yeah, we've got Festivus, 2021 biddies, and then we're going to be ending this season of The Hungry Gamers with our favorite things of 2021. So mm. uh, Miss Ali Hart and I are just going to be talking about our favorite things we've watched, we've played, we've consumed, whatever it might be. You know, favorite things. And it's not going to be specific to things that were released this year. It's going to be things that we've experienced for the first time in 2021. So we might be talking about games or tv shows or movies that could have come out a year ago or a decade ago or whatever it's just going to be things that we we got to experience for the first time this year and uh, why we love those things i look forward to that episode too <laughs> yeah and um quick little spoiler uh we've got something coming your way to coincide with our favorite things of 2021 episode uh more information to be disclosed on Festivus next week, but uh, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a first for us yeah. here at THG. So uh, looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, keep your eyes and ears peeled. Uh, eyes and ears peeled. Yeah, please don't peel your eels. Yeah, don't peel your eels. Skin them if you need advice on skinning an eel. Just cut the head off. Grab a pair of pliers. Grab the skin from the top where you've just cut the head off, and you can peel them down like a big sock. Why do you know that? <laughs> Come from the country. Used to eat a lot of eel, so you do that. Really? Then you chuck them into a, a big, big. We used to have like them big baby buckets. Chuck, chuck the eel in a big baby bucket full of salted water. Let them sit and cure in there for a little while. And then uh, roll them in a bit of egg and flour. Deep fry them up. Happy days. Deep fried eel, my friends. And you won't eat mashed potatoes. <laughs> no, but I will eat the hell out of a dirty freshwater fried eel. That's for sure. It's delicious. Eel is yummy. <laughs> it's hard. It's repulsing towards me right now she's not a fan but yeah three episodes left of thg Ape nation as always thanks for stopping on by be sure to rate view subscribe us on your podcast player of choice and also be sure to head over to audiotechnica.com audiotechnica.com.au to get the best in audio-based equipment but until next time 8-bit nation it has been our absolute pleasure to bring you the latest and greatest in game and culture much love and stay hungry You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Not for eel. I'm thinking about fried eel. It's really yummy. Doubtful. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>